We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world, and all we can think about is where. Where can I hook up my modem? Digital pen part of work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. So should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. Hi, everyone. This is Kelsey Jones with Search Engine Journal. I'm the managing editor, and I'm here with Rocco and Christina Baldassare, and they are the owners of Zebra Advertisement. How are you guys doing today? Thank you very much. We're really good, and uh, happy to talk to you today. Thank you for your time. Yeah, so you guys are joining us from Italy, right? Yeah, correct, from Parma. Awesome. So... I know that you are the co-founders of Zebra Advertisement. Why did you decide to start a company together? So uh, the first thing was that uh, after we basically completed our college degrees, we both studied in America and Italy, so we have two bachelor of science and two masters. We basically decided what do we want to do? Do we want to start a career in a market that is pretty much closed, like such as the European market, or do we want to do something we're really good at? advertising and open our own company so that was a no-brainer for us and in no time we opened a company here in Italy and right away we understood that our market was America so we combined my uh, my skills with uh, my people skills with Christina's analytics side and the ability with making things look pretty and uh, develop a brand to basically uh, compensate each other and start growing a brand which nowadays has 15 employees I think I would, I would add something to that because I think it was also a lifestyle decision. I mean, being entrepreneurs and digital nomads is just a completely different lifestyle than having a nine to five job. And I think when you are in college, about to graduate, you kind of realize that that's a decision you're going to have to make relatively soon. And for us, the lifestyle, working from home, being able to travel around, that was just really tempting. And when we were about to graduate, we figured, Either we try it now or never, because once you have that secure job, you kind of don't feel courageous enough to give it a shot anymore. So we just felt it was a good time to try it out, and we we're lucky enough that it worked. Yeah, that's awesome that you have 15 employees now. Um, so do you focus just on the United States, or do you have clients in other countries as well? So uh, we open up into many countries, actually. So our biggest clients are in Germany and Switzerland because they're basically a company with 60,000 and uh, 1,000 employees. So they are our biggest client, but the quantity of clients is in America. So 85% of our market is in America and the rest is uh, all over the world. We actually, our smallest client space is in Italy because um, the way we work, we kind of culturally fit more of a American mentality. Oh, okay. So are there not a lot of um, kind of distributed or, uh, you know, work from home companies in Italy? No, no. They are mostly um, re- uh, corporations that are actually having an offices. For example, to give an example, we travel to Switzerland quite a lot to meet companies, to Germany, we come to the States. So most of our companies, even though we started with small companies, we developed to medium and large sizes companies. So Christina, she speaks English. Italian and German. She focuses mostly on the German market and I speak English and Spanish. So I have a natural kind of tendency to work with American companies which need the two languages to basically serve the market. Yeah, that's great. 
Um, I know I saw on uh, Zebra Advertisement's website that you have a distributed workforce, so all your or the majority of your employees don't all work in one office, correct? Right. Let Christina speak about that because she's the the master of our employees. Yeah, I'm the I'm the hiring person here. I'm I'm staffing and finding everyone all over the world, and it's not it's not easy because we're still trying to grow a corporate culture. And it's something that keeps us together. We want to have our own vocabulary, we want to have things in common, and we want to have characteristics in common. And it's not very easy to hire someone if you've never met them. So yeah. um, from the point where we need someone to the point that we find someone, usually six months pass. And then there is a six months intense training program that they need to complete. And um, during that process, they usually specialize in one specific skill. So let's say Facebook or AdWords. So after that, they really can take charge. And when the next person comes, let's say a year after or two years after in the same section, at least that was our process until now. Now we're growing a lot faster, but until now that was the time. Um, that person that we trained can already take on the next person and train them. So this way we kind of zone out a little bit and not everything is dependent on us, on us, which is quite important to keep our lifestyle because if we created something where everything was dependent on us, our lifestyle would go down the drain pretty quickly. Yeah, definitely. That's really smart. Do you have any tips for any business owners or even freelancers or digital nomads, like you said, to kind of keep up to date with all the employees and keep that communication, you know, at a really high level? Do you have any tips that you could give the audience? Yeah, for sure. Like uh, I, what we find works, works out really well for us. It's to kind of have always the communication, which is both in written and vocal, because what I find is that uh, whenever you need to communicate a task, we need to communicate a project, talk about something. Many people tend to do it in an email because they believe it's faster. But what we actually do, we have an email with a voice message and also with the follow-up calls. Because what we found out is that the best way to do things efficiently is to actually making sure that the person gets every angle of the work that needs to be done right away. And the best way to do it is to use all potential tools. So something written they can always refer to, something vocal they can always listen to, and then having a call, for example, giving them some more insights about the client or, for example, about the call they're about to enter or anything that will really help them. So it's, that's something that we find very useful for us. It's basically recreating the, the experience you would have in the office virtually because you would speak usually and sometimes it's just the tone of voice that changes how you express things and sometimes you just say things differently than you would write them so we would rather spend more time explaining a simple task or an advanced task and then having that person execute it on their own than to follow them every step of the way and that's why we need um, the right people because not everyone is able to get in depth right in the beginning and then work entirely on its own without any supervision because that's a must. I mean, we don't, we can't look over the shoulder even if we wanted to. Yeah, definitely. I know it's definitely different to have a distributed workforce versus an office since I've been on both sides myself. Yeah. Um, so, so kind of going a little bit more into the services you provide, I know that you offer search and display advertising and social media advertising and then retargeting as well. Um, this year, I know from being in PPC myself and just kind of overseeing the trends from a higher level at Search Engine Journal, I know that PPC is one 
area of search that is always seeming like it's changing. Are there any new, you know, trends or developments that have happened this year that you think a lot of businesses aren't capitalizing on that they could yeah, be? That's a really good question, actually. Yes. A bit. Uh, what we noticed is that over the past year or two years, uh, we've noticed a big decrease of people that buy right away from the site. To give an example, I go on uh, Amazon.com for the first time in my life and I buy an object. That can happen on Amazon because everybody knows Amazon. But if you're talking about a new business or somebody doesn't have a brand yet, it's very rare to buy right away. What actually happens is that people uh, look at the site, then they compare prices. And along the process, they might either come back organically or they just forget about the site because who knows that. So what we actually noticed is that remarketing on social media is becoming very important. So, for example, let's say that you have... Um, a website search engine journal, uh, eStores.com, people can go on the store, they look at the items, then they look in their Facebook and they see an ad of that one item. Say, oh my God, this company must be big because they have the money to invest on Facebook. Then they go on Twitter and they see you again. So what happens is that you build a brand and whenever a person wants actually to buy this item, you become top of mind brand for this person. And we notice uh, a huge trend in that direction. So. I believe that remarketing is becoming every day more important and most importantly, cross-channel remarketing as we call it here, which means making remarketing, but not only on websites or by the Google Display Network, but also on social media. But this is a big thing we are noticing. Yeah, so it sounds like you're saying that it's important for businesses to kind of be everywhere at once so that their target audience is sure to see them and stay on top of mind. Yeah, of course, in a smart way. I mean, you don't want to spend money everywhere, but maybe you want to have a main traffic uh, channel like AdWords to generate first-time viewers. And then on these first-time viewers, then you can apply remarketing via uh, social media, etc. So you can keep still an okay budget if you don't want to spend too much, but still get the same effect. I think that also implicates that the responsibilities of any PPC marketer are drastically growing, starting from, let's say, maybe November last year. Because before it was always about making things convert, getting high CDR, high quality score, um, just getting a ROI, to say it like this. Um, and now, small businesses in particular want consultants regarding what do I do with my Facebook page? Because now that we're doing cross-channel remarketing, Facebook is so much more important. So now Facebook needs to look a lot nicer. So maybe they haven't even created um, HTML color codes that are associated with the brand. Maybe they don't feel they're good about their logo anymore now that it's so important. Maybe they want to change it, should they or not. So now the whole um, consulting part of PPC is expanding drastically to almost something like brand consultancy that matters to conversions. So I think that's a whole new area that is evolving now and it's evolving rapidly. And I think that businesses that are not willing to try things are missing out on something important here. Yeah, definitely. I, I have seen that the role of, so search and social media used to be completely separate. And from what you're saying and from, from what I've seen too, I think search marketers need to know about social and vice versa. And it's really beneficial to companies that they are working with people that are involved in both search and social. I totally agree. So are there different strategies when you're doing advertising for social media versus search? I mean, I, um, I know that obviously the campaigns are set up differently, but do you go about the way you word the ads or what, 
photos or media you use, do you go about those differently? I mean, how is the strategy different between the two? So um, I would divide the question to three parts. Christina, I think agrees as well because um, search engine marketing also includes display. So of course, search and display are two completely different things in terms of how you strategize things. Talking about search, you of course are serving somebody which is an, act, an active user. They are looking for a keyword, they want uh, to get a result for the keyword. When you talk about Facebook, uh, this person is not performing a search, so they are being exposed to an ad. So in that case, it needs to be more informative and needs to be clear about what is the problem you think they have and what's the, what's the solution you're offering. So in case you do a search marketing campaign on, uh, on the search network on Google, in that case, usually the problem or what they're looking for is their search query. So you can answer directly with the solution. So of course, this has a big impact. Also on social media, you can use an image and therefore the image should kind of uh, grab the attention of the user. Sometimes I've been noticing that also if the image is not related to actually what you're advertising, an image that get, grabs the biggest attention is the one that converts the best at the end of the day. When you talk about display network, it gets very close to social media with the difference that on a banner, you kind of need to be more concise while on social media, you can have a little bit more of text. So this kind of decreases the conversion rate, but at the same time, you need to word it in a way to generate curiosity in the users to kind of get a click and then have a deep longer sales funnel. So this is a, these are the main differences I'm noticing when I work on paid search and social media. Something that I would like to add here regarding the wording that you mentioned. Um, I always think that when you create a brand, there needs to be a certain vocabulary that is associated with a brand. It doesn't necessarily need to be the same word, but it always has to be the same style. So Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest are all for completely different users and people want to see different things. Like you would see different things on Tumblr and retweet other things on Twitter and maybe like something completely different on Facebook. So you need to serve those audiences the right way with the right wording, but you still need to be true to your own brand. Just a stupid example would be um, that businesses often overlook, I feel, is in Instagram, there's so many picture effects. If you use all of them across the board, nobody associates a certain style. But if you always use Mayfair or Lo-Fi or something like this, then people start to see a lifestyle, a certain wealth associated with it. Maybe it's more athletic, maybe it's more expensive. And you can take that more than just, you know, you can take that across platforms. It doesn't just need to be Instagram with that example. You can take that and translate that into wording that you can use for Facebook users, for Twitter users, depending on how you want to be perceived as and who you're serving. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I think, um, you know, knowing your audience really well is key, especially on social. So to kind of wrap up our conversation, I kind of had a hot topic question I thought I'd ask your opinion on. So um, I know that Facebook had announced, I believe, earlier this year that they were going to start experimenting with video advertising on their platform. What are your thoughts on utilizing video advertising on Facebook and YouTube? Uh, I think that it could be a good strategy for remarketing. I mean, uh, when I tested, uh, when I first tested videos on Google AdWords via um, the video campaigns, what I noticed is that the videos that are not targeting people that you already visited your site, they they perform well. They might generate some clicks, but they rarely generate conversions. 
while videos of people that already know your brand, they watch the video much more, you can actually explain more about your brand and they actually close uh, a sale to a much higher conversion rate. So I believe on Facebook, it could be something similar. Let's say you sell a new computer and somebody has watched your website and they have seen the computer for three minutes and they say, okay, I want to, to show a video on Facebook where I describe the features. Maybe you can turn the screen, maybe uh, you have some cool features. So people that already visit your site are much more likely to go on Facebook and say, wow, I love this video and I'm going to buy the computer. I think it's very similar to what, will, what, what happened on the display network with the difference that Again, uh, it, it's going to be perceived much better for remarketing people, but also people that have never visited your site, they might get a better effect because they don't perceive it as a spam, they kind of look at it as a post. So it's going to be quite interesting. Yeah, definitely. I think video could be good if it was used in the right way. Exactly. So, uh, Rocco and Christina Baldessare, thank you so much for um, allowing me to speak with you today. And I hope I didn't butcher your last name too bad. Oh, it was <laughs> perfect. perfect. Okay. Fine. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so, again, this is Kelsey Jones, Managing Editor of Search Engine Journal, and thank you for listening. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.